Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Right, give the person that you see online, just give them a high five, welcome them, a virtual high five, you know, show them some love, and you can show me some love too. Um, all right, so without further ado, look, we're nearing the end of our Good Works series. We have just one more teaching to go. Um, I mean, it's taking a lot of self-control to just end it on that one because there's so much to talk about, really. But, I, I mean, the month of June is already going to be an amazing month, one that you cannot miss, a brand-new series starting. Um, but, I mean, so far we've been on Good Works, and it's something that isn't so much emphasized in the church. And, and sadly, in the places where it's emphasized, it, it's the wrong emphasis that is being placed. You find that a lot of people try to bring Christians back under the bondage of the law, trying to bring Christians back under the system of rules and regulations and commandments, whereas Christ freed us from that system. He brought us into the advent of grace. He brought us into the system of grace. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's why it's sad because a lot of churches that talk about good works don't preach it the right way. They, don't, they, they use those as means to try and strong arm God and, and impress God somehow and make God feel, you know, you know, try to make him proud. And I love the song that came out by Elevation Worship and Maverick City that, that says, you know, you don't need a trophy, you know, to, I don't need a, to bring a trophy to you to make you proud. The idea is that I don't have to do these things to impress you, but because you saved me as a response to salvation, as a, as a response to my honor for you, I, I will do these good works and to prove to the world that salvation did work in me and to show your glory, I will do these good works. So we're emphasizing these good works because as much as we celebrate the gift of grace, which is salvation, we are also celebrating and emphasizing the goal of grace. Can you say in my life, I emphasize the goal of grace, which is good works, which is to work out my salvation. Praise the name of Jesus. And I pray that every one of you after this teaching series, you know, is done. And even this teaching this evening, that there is just a, a strong release of ease in your life not just because it rhymes <laughs> but i pray for a release of ease in your life you're going to start to enjoy such freedom you know some of the things that were were so tempting to you before you know it will just lose you just lose so much interest they become distasteful to you without even struggling too much that's what's going to happen so i need you to pay attention with me as we go through all the scriptures we have for this evening praise the name of jesus Hallelujah. So this teaching tonight is, is packed. Um, and I'll just tell you the topic right away. I'm not going to hide it from you. You deserve to know it. It's laying, um, or let me say it this way, lay aside every weight. And for, for some of you who have been in church long enough, that, that's something that you're not new to. Lay aside every weight. Look, my job is not to teach you a list of good works. 
you know, and tell you, oh, you know, that good work, you need to do it this way, or that one, you need to do that way. I don't want to start bringing back rules and regulations. That's not my job. My job is to teach you the grace of God. My job is to explain to you what happened at salvation. My job is to explain to you how the spirit of God bears fruit in your life. And through that, you know, he begins to teach you um, how to live, you know, live out those good works. The, the grace of God begins to teach you to, to, to deny ungodliness as we see in Titus 2.11. You know, and I'm just going to read it real quick. Titus 2.11, we're going to read till verse 14. This has been a very, uh, very, very significant scripture for us this series. And, uh, and by now you should have had it memorized, right? So Titus 2.11, we're going to read till 14. And it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, say soberly, righteously, say righteously, and godly in this present world. So while people say, you know what, this grace of God allows us to live however we want to, is the exact opposite. This grace teaches us to, to, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly, like we talked about last week, to live a soberly uh, and sober-minded life, being vigilant, being cautious and discerning, right? To live soberly, righteousness and righteously and godly in this present world not in the world to come right now in verse 13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ verse 14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works that's it god wants to create a race a peculiar people that are so eager to do good works that's god's idea that's the idea of grace that was the goal and and that's why we're going to emphasize that we're going to emphasize the grace of god so that it teaches you to deny ungodliness and be zealous for good works praise the name of jesus hallelujah look by the end of this teaching i believe that 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 god will change something in you he will he will transform you and, and just give you much motivation internal motivation to do his will where there were struggles there's now ease in the name of jesus hallelujah oh thank you lord someone's gonna need that one colossians chapter 4 from verse 12 you knew i was going to this scripture you know me colossians chapter 4 from verse 12 and, and my best friend is the one that is the focus of the scripture, Epaphras, uh, uh, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. What is Epaphras always praying about? What is he spending his days and nights praying about? This is what he's praying about. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. He prays that you will stand perfect and complete, total, lacking nothing, being consistent, being pleasing, 
in all the will of God. And that is my heartfelt prayer for all of you listening right now. That you will actually stand perfect. That not only will God look at you and see you as perfect in Christ positionally. Like yes, you're you're my righteousness in Christ Jesus. In the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross. Not only will that be the case. Epaphras is not praying this for believers who obviously have a right standing with God. He's talking about something different. He's talking about not just position. He's talking about conduct. He's praying about their conduct that they will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And so it's it's a strong desire to to always see God's people actually be complete in the will of God. To not miss out on the will of God, to not do the wrong, do things things contrary to the will of God. That's that's really a, a, a heartfelt prayer that Epaphras had, and it's the same that I have for you. Ephesians 2.10 um, says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in. So the good news is that you have been created in new creation in Christ Jesus. That's where you were created. If they ask you, where were you born? You might say our Jalad Hospital in Lagos. Great. You might mention whatever hospital it is. But as a believer, where were you born? You were born in Christ. How were you born? Born of the Spirit. In Christ Jesus. That's where you are. That's your location. That's where your identity is formed. That's where your responsibilities come from. That's where your abilities come from. In that location called Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells you that, look, you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's good news. Praise the name of Jesus. So to just, you know, continue further in this discussion, there, there, there are two things that I notice, you know, that um, that are two professions majorly that that the, the Bible uses to to describe Christians, to describe believers. There are two professions majorly that I see. You know, the first is this. I'm just going to read you the scripture, and from there you'll be able to tell what profession it is. Uh, if you turn with me to Second Timothy, chapter two, from verse one to five. Just open your Bible. I really do hope you're excited when you open your Bible. It, it contains the words of life, literally. So just open your Bibles there. Second Timothy chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. I'm going to read it very quickly. Uh, it says this, You therefore, my son, you know, this is Paul talking to his dear son Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. It's a verse that is usually overlooked. This is not just a salutation. This is not just a greeting. This is not just a well wish. It's an instruction. He's telling Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So there is a grace that is in the location that you are in. In in Christ Jesus, there is grace. And he's telling you, be strong in that grace. I'll come back to this much later, but you, you cannot miss verse 1. You can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's also possible to not be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Bottom line is there is grace in Christ Jesus. And it's your responsibility to be strong in that grace or to neglect that grace or to take that grace in vain. 
but don't miss verse 1. It's super important. We'll come back to that. Verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Look at verse 3. You therefore, because the road is rough, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look at that. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Can you see that? It says the one who 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 the one who is a soldier who is engaged in warfare who fights doesn't get entangled with the affairs of this life. What what would you call the affairs of this life? Would you talk about riches? Would you talk about you know the the pleasures of this life, the the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh? Would would, would you talk about the the pride of life? Is is that what? the affairs of this life is talking about it says the one who is enlisted as a soldier does not entangle himself with his things and that's why when you see soldiers who are about to go to war or go to battle they live they, they leave everything behind with the idea that they might not come back to those things they leave everything behind they're not entangled to those things so that they can focus on what they're about to do on the battlefront. Do you see that? That's so beautiful. And, and the next profession aside being a soldier that the Bible uses to refer to Christians is this. Um, verse 5 actually talks about this, but we're going to check another scripture right after. Verse 5 says, and also, same Second Timothy Right, chapter 2 from verse 5. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he's just saying, look, even in athletics, you can't win unless you live and compete and race according to the rules that have been set. So what you see is that as much as you're a believer in Christ, there, there is, there is a certain discipline that comes to it. There's a certain level of focus, a certain level of sacrifice, a certain level of determination, a certain level of passion to win. Look at that. That, that. That's something that gets me every time. Now, it's good. I mean, being a Christian, I promise you, it's all marshmallows and milk and honey and chocolates. And for those of you who like chocolate, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful life. I did a teaching in 2018 or 2019 about the sweet life. That is... The, that is it. The sweet life of Jesus Christ. The, the sweet life of the new creation. Right? That's what we are... That's what we have. It's a beautiful life, but it comes with commitment. It comes with focus. It comes with discipline. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with determination. It comes with a passion and a strive to victory. That is what we've been brought into. If you're going to be zealous for good works, you need to remember this very, very closely. I'm going to read the other scripture I had in mind for you. Um, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24 to 27. Just open the Bible with me. I hope you're excited. I hope the word of God 
gets you as excited as it gets me. All right, so look, First Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Like if, if people are running in a race, everyone does run. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. That 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 is really interesting to me. You know, some people think that ah, now that I'm a believer, this is it. I have arrived. I made it. Glory to God. But Paul is saying, look, the race just started. That's literally what it is. The race literally just started. And so run in a way that you may obtain it. And then it says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Look at that. Is temperate, is disciplined, is well-mannered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. So he's saying, he's talking about athletes now. There are a lot of athletes right there. If you talk about who's in bold, which everyone should know, right? Uh, and you, you think of all other kinds of athletes that, that do so well. He tells you that these guys are temperate in all things. They are disciplined. They, are, they sacrifice a lot of things. They try all they can to stay in shape. Their, their routine is, is tedious. Some wake up as early as 5 a.m. and run at least five hours, six hours every day, consistently nonstop, have a, a particular diet, things they can't eat, things they must eat, times they must wake up, sometimes they need to sleep it, a minimum amount of sleep they need they, they are very disciplined and he says these guys do it to obtain a perishable crown but we for an imperishable crown i find that very interesting your race is different from the world's race they run to obtain a perishable crown, but you for an imperishable crown. 26. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Paul is saying, I'm running. I'm not confused about why I'm running. I love this. He said, therefore, I run, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air. And, and, and the word fight is, is akin to what a soldier does. Thus, I fight. Not as one who beats the air. I'm not fighting aimlessly. I know what I'm battling. I know what I'm fighting against. Look at verse 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like Paul? Where you have taught people, just like I'm teaching, I've told you, do this, do that. You've actually, and sometimes maybe you felt like you're not even in the best position to teach others things because you yourself are still struggling through those things. And to that, I would say, honestly, you need of course you, you you must practice what you preach but don't think you have to be perfect before you start preaching don't think you have to be perfect before you can correct don't think that as you're climbing up out of a pit you can't help those who are climbing up behind you do you understand we're all on this race we're trying to help each other do you understand you can be running jumping your own hurdles in a race and someone else has has fallen on one of the hurdles you can go to help them pick them up and keep running ahead that that's okay but he's saying this that at the end of the after i've preached to everyone that i myself should be disqualified he, he's using the terminology of a race 
that even after I've helped others to, to keep running and keep going, that I myself don't even obtain the prize. So he says, I put discipline, but I, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Praise the name of Jesus. So you see those major I'm getting somewhere with this. Don't don't lose don't lose focus. He uses these two professions. You know, at another time he uses the, the example of a farmer, but I'm just gonna focus on the, on this too. A soldier and an athlete, a, a racer, a runner, a sprinter, whatever you want to call him. That is the idea that God has for us. He wants a certain level of focus. Now that you're in this, it's a good life. It's beautiful. It comes with ease. It comes with grace. It comes with power. It comes with favor. But look, there is a race that you're running. There's a race that you're running. And and if you're not focused enough or disciplined enough or sacrificial enough, you will find it hard. You will jump many hurdles. You will fall many times. It's going to be difficult. And so he's calling every single one of us to a place of consecration, to a place of discipline, to a place where we are not entangled with the affairs of this life. That's the call. He literally called us out of darkness, out of this world, into his marvelous light. He did. He called you out. He set you apart. That's the word holiness. That's what we talked about weeks ago. Holiness. You've been made holy because you've been set apart from sin, set apart from darkness, set apart from death, and you've been brought to life. You've been brought to light. You've been brought to grace. That's God's idea. You've been brought to life. And so there must be an obvious separation from these things. Praise the name of Jesus. And, and this brings us to the scripture of the day where we get this title we're, we're concentrating on uh, for this evening. So just follow me. Just have it at the back of your mind that God wants you to be his soldier. God wants you to be his athlete. He wants you to give much focus, uh, m- much focus, pardon me, m- much attention to the things that are important. Praise the name of Jesus. All right, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Some of you have watched a lot of soldier films, and maybe you haven't watched army movie films um, or or soldier movies. You probably played video games like Call of Duty and the likes. You, you, you can see the level of discipline, the level of training that goes into that. It's, it's vigorous. It's rigorous. It's a lot. It's horrendous to think about. But it, it works. It, it makes you better. You go through a lot of things, but it makes you better. Praise name. There's a lot of disciplining that has in the time. But while, while you're disciplining yourself, when you're trying to stop certain things, it might be a struggle. It might be hard at first. You might not like it. You might be, oh, but can't I just indulge for one bit? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even talk about sin right now. Maybe, for example, you've been trying to lose some weight and you've tried to diet, but 
nah, it's not just working. And so you said, okay, let me just try some. Let me exercise. Let me go on a diet. I need to lose this fat. And you started the first day. You're pumped up. You're excited. You're ready to go. And you stop taking cold stone ice cream and ordering pizza or, or buying fried chicken. And you just put those things aside. No, I'll just take, you know, my veggies and my, my smoothies, my milk, not milkshake, but you know what I'm talking about? Just healthy, healthy stuff, your greens, your salads, your fruits. And that's all you're taking day one. You even did some jumping jacks and you went to the, to the gym, just did some workouts. Ah, what a day. The next day, ah, your friend just bought cold stone and they haven't doing a promo. Right, buy one get one free. Ah, God, what are you? What is this now, God? How far now? I beg, I beg now, God. Just one day, let me just, you know, it becomes hard and hard and hard because sometimes the things that that you need to do. Sometimes the, the, the right things are not always the most pleasurable things to do sometimes, but you have to do them. You have to build a culture of discipline. That's what God is calling us to do. Praise the name of Jesus. As much as, as we've been saved by grace, not by, you know, by our works, there are certain expectations and responsibilities that we now have as believers to do. Don't don't ever let anyone deceive you or tell you otherwise that you just came into this thing and there's nothing else to be done. No, there are instructions we have and we can fulfill them because we have the ability to now in Christ, enabled by his spirit, enabled by his grace. We can actually do these things. Praise the name of Jesus. So Hebrews 12 from verse 1 to 2. Let's go there right now. Let's check it out. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 2. It says, Wherefore sin also... Uh, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness witnesses now i'll just stop there for a while uh that that word witnesses there is uh is a greek word matus and, and matus is where you get the word matire from uh or should i say matter right someone who gives his or her life for their faith, for what they believe in, a martyr. So, um, Matus is just simply talks about the people that were mentioned in chapter eleven. Now, it's nothing that there's a cloud of witnesses always watching every move, and there's a flat screen TV up in heaven. Everybody's watching you. Look at look at BC. Hmm. Look, see, see, watch what she's going to steal that means. Hey, hey, I told you. Shabia, I told you. That's not what the Bible is talking about. A cloud of witnesses. The witnesses being referred to here are the heroes, as I like to call them, the heroes of faith. In chapter 11, you talked about Noah, I talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, and talks about Enoch, and talks about David, talks about Samson, talks about these great men of God, right? And, and even women, you know, he talks about Rahab, who was a prostitute. Um, and, you know, the, there is a great cloud of witnesses. The, the reason why he puts this is because when you look at these people, they were ordinary, frail men and women who went through many trials, went through many temptations. In fact, when you look at some of their stories, you're like, I don't, I think there's a mistake. Why is Samson's name here? Why is David's name here? I mean, if you can excuse David, that's fine because, you know, he was still a friend of God and, you know, a man after God's heart. Fine, fine. But Samson... 
Rahab, the prostitute. Why? Why are the names here? These people were not without weaknesses. These people were not without failures and temptations and trials. If you're talking about people that were so caught up in sin by, by certain things, you're talking about David, you're talking about Samson, you're talking about Solomon, who were all consumed by lust at some point in their lives. These were weak men. They were weak. They messed up. Sometimes they doubted. Now they were called heroes of faith. But at some point in some of their life, life experiences, sometimes they doubted God. But when God looks at the, at, the, at the entirety of their life, he sees those who endured. He sees those who continued to the end. That even though they made mistakes, they continued. Praise the name of Jesus. They put their trust and put their faith in him. And that's what counts. And the point is, there is a great cloud of witnesses. And these people are just like you. So for everything that you're going to see, whatever instruction we're going to continue reading in this, in this scripture, it applies to you as it applied to them. They were not perfect. In fact, they're not exactly the standard. The whole point is this. They did something that, 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 that you're being asked to do as well. And, and we're going to check it out. Then he says... You know, we've been, we are so compassed, and the, the word compassed means encompassed, that we're surrounded with, with a great cloud of witnesses, right? Let us lay aside every weight. Do you see where our, our topic for today comes from? Here, let us lay aside every weight. Does that sound like a prayer? Does that sound like an advice? Or a suggestion. This is literally an instruction. Let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. Now, now it's easy to, to say, of course, this weight is, you know, it's, it's talking about something heavy. It's talking about something uncomfortable. Um, and at the same time, maybe it's something very that is just specific, like just one weight. Maybe it's just one thing in particular. But you know, from from the Greek word, it's it's onkos. It's it's a Greek word called onkos, and it just simply means a load or a burden or something heavy. That's literally what it is. Um, it's not specific. We 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 can't exactly see what these weights are. But he says every weight. I, I believe when he says every weight, it, it's talking about a, a variety of things, right? And and when you're talking about a race or a journey, when there is a weight on you, what does that do? It 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 it's, it re, it hinders your progress. It slows your pace, right? A weight distracts you. It it, it keeps you stagnant. In a place that you shouldn't be at a certain time, where where you should be, you should be, you should be running and soaring and moving really fast. You find yourself almost stuck in a certain place, and I know some of you can relate to that, where you just feel stuck. You feel like you're not making much progress in your life, in your faith, in the Lord. It feels like you're in the same space. You've made promises, you've moved, but it seems like you're back to square one. That's what weights do. They keep you grounded, not in a good way. They keep you stagnant. And Paul, um, I, I'm biased to say Paul, but let's say the writer of Hebrews, 
literally admonishes you and tells you, no, 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 you know what? Lay aside every weight. Almost like he expects you to have the ability to do it. Because guess what? You can do it. You have the ability. And I'll show you how, how that's possible. But look at that. You know, I believe it's specific to individuals, but it's whatever drags you back. And I feel it's 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 relative. What is a weight for me might not be a weight to you or a weight for you. Do you, do you understand? You know, weights just make you wait unnecessarily. I, I, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. But yeah, weights make you just wait unnecessarily in places where you shouldn't be. Whereas you should be moving and accelerating. And then he says, aside laying aside um, every weight, he says you should also lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us right and vastly when you think about it you see that um this sin um vastly prevalently is 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 unbelief um you know in many cases a lot of our actions that don't please god are from a place of unbelief either in his word or in his grace or in his promise many times sin comes from a place of unbelief but this is also very interesting to see he says the sin which so easily besets us right and 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 these are things that when you talk about sin that that's sins that so easily besets one these are things that you know more than anything else i problem for you for example i'll just give you an example top of my head i have not had the privilege if i'll use that word of smoking before smoking weed or smoking um you know just doing hard drugs you know marijuana pots cocaine i've not had the privilege of doing those things i've not even i've not even taken alcohol do you understand maybe except one time it wasn't it wasn't a dessert and i didn't know or something yeah but i've never been drunk i haven't been an alcoholic before and so that will not be an easily besetting sin to to be addicted to those things i can't be right at at least at at the point that i am it's not going if i see drugs somewhere around or a cigarette it's not going to move me i'm like okay the cigarette's cool but for someone who has lived their entire life addicted to these things and just by being in the very presence of these substances, it starts to trigger something. It becomes such a strong temptation that someone who has never experienced these things will never ever understand. So there are easily besetting sins. There are things that more than other things make a person fall. Do you understand? For some people, it's lost. You see it in the place, in the case of, of Samson and Solomon and David, like I mentioned. These were the things that, that affected these people. These were their Achilles heel. This was their Achilles heel, lost. It was the thing that brought these great men down in certain ways. Do you see that? For, for some other people, it's greed. Like you see with Judas Iscariot, who who was moved to betray the Lord Jesus because of his greed, because he wanted money. You know, he wanted. In fact, he was not being faithful with the purse uh, of of the disciples during the earthly ministry of, of of Jesus. He was known to to take some money out of it. 
For some others, it's bitterness and, and selfishness, just like Jonah. Where, where Jonah was bitter against the Ninevites and, you know, he just wanted to have his own way, put his own interest before them and escape to Tarshish and, and, and the Lord still found him. There, there are things that, you know, what is a struggle for one person is it, nothing for another person. Do you understand? It, that, that's just how it is. It, it's, it's just different for everybody. And that's why it's, it's a place of self-reflection. It's a place where you just examine yourself and say, look, oh, you, you know, you just talk to yourself and say, look, you know, this thing is a problem. You know, don't, you know, this thing is a problem. You've been dealing with it for several years. It's been a struggle. It's been that thing that just comes once in a while, uh, or even more frequently than, than other things that, that just gets you down. It's the thing that makes you feel, you know, unconfident, that makes you feel timid when you come before the Lord. In fact, you can't even go back to God because of these things. You feel you're not worthy anymore. These are the things that that give an inroad to guilt and condemnation in your life more than anything else. And so these are easily besetten sins and you have to realize that they are what they are. These are things that get you down. These are the things that make you weak. These are the things that make you feel not worthy. These are the things that you feel are making you not walk consistently and completely in all the will of God. And you need to acknowledge that fact. Like right now, as I'm speaking to you, acknowledge those things. What are those things that get you down more than anything? It could be lost. It could be lost of all forms, fornication or pornography or masturbation or just thinking lustful thoughts all the time and and, and vain imaginations. For you, it could be dishonesty. You you just tend to lie to save your skin. You you just lie and maybe talk about people behind that. But maybe that's your slandering and and backbiting and gossiping. You just like to talk about people behind their backs and, and put them in a bad light. Maybe yours is anger. But you just, you know, act up and just lash out every time. You just can't control yourself. For you, it, it could be anything. It could be greed. You're just running after money all the time. Look, whatever that thing is, I need you to acknowledge it right now. And maybe for you, you've had it easy. You've not really struggled with much. Still, there are easily besetting sins. There are weights. There are things that weigh you down. There are things that, that just hurts your conscience many times think about those things what are they if you can write it out write it out if it's more than one thing write them out i want you to just think about it right now because it's good to identify you know paul said something in the scripture we read earlier in in first corinthians now he said thus i fight not as one beating the air you're not fighting an unknown enemy you need to realize what your enemy is so you can fight Do, do you understand that and so I want you to acknowledge what is that thing? What are those easily besetting sins in my life? To 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 be honest with you, to, to us, um some there's some sins that you'd say, Oh, this is excusable. You know, and some you say that agree with us. For example, if someone lies, ah, oh, it's just a white lie. It's not it's excusable, it's fine. And then if someone you hear someone commits a murder, you're like, oh, okay, that's terrible. Someone commits adultery. Ah, no, that's bad. You know, we have different degrees to measure different kinds of sin. In fact, under the law, some certain sins are punishable. If you just maybe are proud and arrogant, that, that, that's a sin. But under the law, what's the penalty for being proud and arrogant? There's really nothing. 
But if you are a murderer, you know, in certain cases where you lie, maybe you 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 commit perjury, lying under oath, or you know you do these things, the law sees it as as a terrible offense. But the the thing about God is that sin is sin to Him. As much as yeah, some sin you just hear it like what? This is terrible. But to God, sin is really sin. Do you understand? It, it sin is always going to be terrible to God, no matter how small or almost insignificant we think it is so that's why i'm telling you this because i want you to be sensitive to sin i don't want your conscience to grow weak and and be seared and just saying it's just this thing it's been there for a while and well i really don't care if i do it or not I, i need you to be more intentional more disciplined more focused striving to victory like a soldier will like an athlete will and realize that these things cannot stay in your life no these things cannot stay you must lay them aside you must lay them aside praise the name of jesus do you see this so so look don't what i'm i'm asking you don't ignore the signs don't just think i ah, know in the future i'll deal with it maybe when i'm married all this these feelings of loss will just disappear don't don't deceive yourself it, it doesn't matter there's nothing about marriage that that changes a person It doesn't have a special anointing to change your life forever. No. If you don't deal with these things now, there will be a problem when you cross over to the other side. There will continue to be an issue with your friendships, with your relationships, with your family, if you don't deal with them now. Right? So that's about laying aside every weight, laying aside easily besetting sin. Let's continue reading that scripture, Hebrews 12. Let's keep reading it. Look at this. And it says, let us run with patience. So he's using the illustration of a, of a runner, a racer. He's saying, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So we really are running a race. That's what I've been trying to convince you about all along. We are trying to run if if I'm not trying, we are running a race. Some are running faster than others. And in a race, many times you have hurdles. You know, sometimes you jump some, sometimes you hit some, you miss some, you fall. But look, you must keep running. That's the whole point. You know, the writer says, let us run with patience. Anytime I see that word, it it, it tells me something. It tells me that Above all, as much as you're running, don't forget that God is patient with you and he's patient with your process. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. Look, God isn't so quick to point a finger at you like you are to point the finger at you. Do you understand that? Run with patience. Sometimes you run, it will be tiring. Sometimes you don't even feel like running. Sometimes you don't even feel like jumping those hurdles. It's fine. You welcome the hurdles. You welcome the the, the things that would make you fall. Keep running anyways. Keep running with patience. That's That's what this is all about. Be patient with your process. The goal... Yeah, to many people, perfection is far-fetched. But if anything, progress. Look to progress. Move further than you were yesterday, today. And keep pushing. And keep pushing. And keep running. If you fall, pick yourself up. Keep running. Keep running. Lay aside more weights. Put aside the easily besetting sins. And and, and keep running. And keep running. I, I want you to see something. Look at this. Look. The reason why I said God isn't so quick to point the finger at you, you know, in the case of Moses, 
right? You know the story of Moses, and you know that Moses had um, a sister called Miriam, right? And, you know, according to Jewish tradition, um, you are not supposed to marry outside of the tribe, all right, you're not allowed to to marry outside of the tribe, to marry outside of of Israel, right? And Moses actually married a woman who was the daughter of a man called Jethro. Her name was Zipporah, and she was a Midianite, right? She was a Midianite. Um, yeah, so that that was something that was very controversial, right? It was controversial because he really just married her because she was attractive. I mean, to be honest with you, men of God know what they're looking for. They like they like their women fine. That's just a secret. I'll just tell you. Um, but yeah, and and this was concerning. This was something that he shouldn't have done. It was actually unlawful according to the law that he himself you know shared with the people. Isn't that funny? He broke his own law. You know, and Miriam, his sister, was mad. Aaron too. They were, they were, they were not happy with this. And Miriam said all sorts of things. She started to accuse him and point a finger at him. You messed up, Moses. You messed up. You didn't do well. You sinned. You messed up. And do you know how God responds to that? It's almost sometimes when you read that narrative, you almost feel it's not fair. She was struck with leprosy for talking against him, for pointing an, a, a finger of accusation at him. She was struck with leprosy. And, and, and Moses begged on her behalf and, and it was taken away. But the point is this, even when the finger is being pointed at you, God is not quick to point fingers at you. Yes, you messed up, but that's not his job. His job is not to condemn you, but to commend you in his son, to, 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 to help correct you patiently as you're running and, and i don't know if you've seen that that there was there's a story uh, there's a video i watched which was so, so beautiful there was a runner uh, i think he's from africa he was running a uh a marathon race actually um was it it was a relay race pardon me and he got to his point and he he was running and running but he tore his hamstring and he couldn't run anymore he fell to the floor and the story is so beautiful because his father was in the audience this guy had already said you know what i'm not running again i'm not even going there's no point i'm not even going to be first position I'm definitely going to be last. And I was like, what's the point? But his father was like, no, doesn't matter what position you're in. You must finish this race. And I don't know if you've, you guys have watched that video. It was so beautiful. And he ran to this man, picked him up, his son, and said, son, let's keep going. And, and just, you know, put his arm around his, his shoulder and, and just picked him up and kept moving. And this guy was hopping on one leg, his one good leg, hopping, hopping. And it went slowly and steadily. This man was like, yes, you fell, but you're up now but you have to enter you have to finish this race that is set before you you need to keep moving you keep you need to keep running yeah i'm patient with you take your time but we're going to run we're going to finish this race we're going to complete it till victory you're going to receive your crown oh come on keep running son keep running son keep running son and that applies to you dear daughter of god keep running daughter keep running daughter don't give up because god is patient he's not quick to 
accuse you. He's not quick to point the finger. Yes, you messed up big time. Oh, you messed up. You messed up. Sometimes you've been, the Bible says you were once foolish and stupid and disobedient. Okay, I added stupid, by the way. Um, but that's just the truth. Many of us have been stupid in our old lives. We've been foolish. And maybe not even our old lives. Maybe that old life is trying to find its way in this new life. And we still made stupid mistakes. The point is this. God is patient with your process. He's patient with you. And you really need to hear that. I think God wants someone to hear that. And look, this is how it is. After that, it says, let us run with patience rates, the race that is set before us. Looking onto Jesus. I love this place. It says, looking onto Jesus. This is how you're going to run this race. You're doing it with your eyes fixed on Jesus. You are looking at him. You are gazing upon him. You are staring into his face. You are looking and beholding him. Why? Because he is the standard. He is the one who started the faith. Bible says he's the author. That that's the, the Greek word archigos. Um and he's the finisher. Teleotes. Right? Those are the Greek words to say the, the one who's who's the captain of salvation. That's what the word author there means. He initiated it. He started it. And guess what? He is going to finish it. Jesus didn't just start it and say, Oh yeah, keep running, don't worry, you finish it. He's saying, No, I'm going to help you finish this. I'm going to help you finish this. And he gave the example of Jesus here. It's so beautiful. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross there there is such a way you can move where because of the glories ahead you can endure the struggle for now do you see that yes you want to grow to maturity the goal is to to reach some some level of perfection in in the will of god and maturity after the fullness of the measure of the stature of christ that's where you want to aspire to but at the same time this is a period of struggling for many people a time to struggle, a time to war, a time to lay aside, a time to run. And it's stressful sometimes. But because of the joy that is set before you, the maturity, being complete and perfect in all the will of God, that's ahead of you. Being like Christ, in, not just in position, but indeed, you keep running. And you keep running. You endure this cross. You despise the shame. Because it will be shameful for you. Because at the end of the day. Jesus is the author. And the finisher of your faith. You can't do it without him. And the good thing is that he's set down at the right hand of the throne of God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. He is set down. And that talks of victory. That talks of, of, of the work being done. That talks of finishing. And the, what we are being told to do is to look onto Jesus. Look, look, let me just tell you this. It's a race. The, the, the goal really is progress. The, the goal is maturity. You're running this race to, to get there. But the thing is, you will make lots of mistakes. You will fall. And, and there's there's something I always tell, you know, all, what I tell you all. Um, when you fall, 
which which I find to be very interesting and very practical and very real because I have fallen many times in my life. I have made many mistakes. I'm not perfect. I would not lie to you and say that I'm perfect, but I am progressing. I am moving. I am growing. And I want you to do the exact same thing. You will, you will make mistakes. That's the truth. But what do you do when you fall? You know, you know everyone says, you know, you, you you should fail your way to success that no one is above failures which is true it's how life is you would fall sometimes sometimes more than others but what do you do when you fall and, and i have a, a remedy for this and i call it the four hours of when you fall four hours i'm just going to mention them very quickly and i don't want you to forget them the first hour is repent the first hour is repent it's 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 called met metanoia it's 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 taking a, a it's a greek word metanoia it's like taking a 180 degree turn saying i messed up i'm not going back to this thing like really being sorry and sorrowful for sin the bible talks about in second corinthians I, I believe chapter seven there there is a sorrow for sin a godly sorrow for sin where you're like i shouldn't have done that have you ever grieved over sin have you ever been angry and upset about sin not just because that you were caught but like because you you didn't hate sin as much as god did in that moment you didn't despise it and shun it as you should have in that moment have you had godly sorrow for sin repent repentance is still a real thing you should repent you should say i'm not going back to this thing i i i choose to put my eyes and my gaze away from this thing forever and and and, and keep my commitment to the lord and truly be separate from those things and separated unto god repent number two the second r is remember remember that you have been forgiven Remember that you have forgiveness because it's one thing for you to to just fall and just stay away. A lot of people make mistakes and fall and stay away from fellowship and stay away from God. And before you know it, two weeks go by, three weeks go by. You haven't prayed. You know you haven't prayed. You haven't talked to God because you're afraid. What, What would God think of me and maybe you feel like a a hypocrite you only go to god to just ask for certain things but you're not doing his will look remember that you have access to him remember that you can come boldly to his throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need remember that you have been forgiven of your sins you have forgiveness of sins through the redemption of his blood remember that you know you have an advocate with the father remember remember don't forget don't forget remember number three the third r is receive grace receive grace it says you might you know obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need that's in hebrews chapter 4 from verse uh, 16 i believe so you can receive grace again you can be filled with grace much grace to continue because that's always going to be the solution it's grace you need it's grace that carries you it's grace that lifts you as much as you know um as much as jesus is the author and finisher he he started it and he will complete it it was also grace that started it it was grace that got you into this in the first place and it's also grace that would complete it in you You, grace will complete this work in you praise the name of jesus so when you fall you repent remember that you're forgiven receive grace to continue 
and restart. That's the fourth R, restart. Remember that every day, the Bible says his, his mercies are new every morning. So every day, it's like the, the previous day was never there. Your sins were never there because they're not accounted to you. The Bible says he's not counting the sins of the one who puts faith in him. He doesn't impute your sins against you. That's the point. So restart. Start afresh. Forget the things that are behind you. Messed up, yes, but forget it. That's your past. Keep forging ahead. Keep moving towards progress. Don't get discouraged and just think, ah, this, this has been five years. And it's the same cycle. I go through the same, being deceived by the same people, falling into the same traps, being tempted by the same things. Yes, that has happened, but start again. Start again. Who told you that five years is too long for God? Who told you that 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 that's that several almost a decade of, of struggling? Who told you that God is fed up with you? Who told you that? Do you know how long the Israelites rebelled against God, yet God was a faithful husband to them? That if, if you think God gives up on you so easily, then maybe you just don't know God well enough. Restart. Restart. Praise the name of Jesus. But you will look unto Jesus too. You will keep the focus on him. You focus on your love for him rather than your hatred for sin. You focus on your on your love for him rather than your mistakes. You look unto Jesus, the one who started it all and the one who will bring it to completion. Keep the focus on him. So, I mean, the few things I'll just say look, before we close is in line with this, track your progress. Actually look at how far you've come. Mark the calendars. If there's a particular easily besetting sin that you know gets you every time and you almost every day you are just falling and making mistakes, then take a calendar and start to mark it. Start to track your progress. Lay aside the ways because you can. Lay it aside. Put it aside. Cast it out. And say, you know what? I'm going to live zealously for good works. I'm going to continue and run this race and actually strive for excellence, moral excellence. And so you count the days as they go. You take, wow, Monday was great, fantastic. None of this sin was present. Tuesday, great, ah, another victory. Wednesday, oh, beautiful. You make, you take till Saturday, a whole week. Wow, without this thing, glory to God. Celebrate your victory and start again. Go the next week and track your progress. Then number two, stay intentional. These are just a few points that I, I can just tell you to, 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 to help you in this race. Track your progress on the racetrack <laughs> just felt like adding that track your progress on the racetrack um number two stay intentional don't lose your vibe don't lose your energy stay intentional then stay accountable stay accountable this one is so important if you're going to keep running this race you need someone who can pick you up when you jump a hurdle Someone who can be there to say, okay, let me help you, my friend. Let's run together. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. I was where you are, and I know how it feels like, but you don't have to stay where you are. Let me help you out. You need those kinds of friends. You need those kinds of associations. People that can pull you out, pull you up. Look, this is the time to be deliberate and serious about this thing before it consumes you. Don't leave these things to chance. Fight. Be like a soldier. Be serious. Give attention. Give focus. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to suffer temporary shame. If I'll call it temporary shame, maybe you are ashamed of people knowing these things that are hidden down there, those secrets deep down. 
be willing to go through those shame those those types of shame if it helps you run and win this race there's nothing like accountability oh it's super important number four don't lose hope don't you ever lose hope no matter how it feels maybe you feel like you're really stuck in a cycle don't lose hope don't lose hope you feel like you've been addicted to those things for so long and you just harbored these bad habits for too long and this is just how you are don't lose hope don't forget to look at the one who looked beyond him who looked beyond the cross and endured the cross and despised the shame and is seated at the right hand of the father glory to god i want you to do the same keep hope alive remember that you can be victorious you can reach maturity you can progress you can stand perfect and complete in all the will of god that's possible number five use grace use grace use grace i'll go back to that scripture in second timothy 2 verse 1 where it says my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus there is a grace in christ jesus and you are asked to be strong in it to use grace to your advantage it's available jesus speaking to paul who who prayed against the thorn in his flesh jesus said my grace is sufficient to you my strength is made manifest in your weakness. His grace is sufficient. Don't, don't ever forget that. It's grace that gives you the ability to live above sin, not to dwell in it. Praise the name of Jesus. So guys, lay aside every weight. That is your responsibility now. As the weights become more clear to you, as you start to discover what these weights are or what these easily besetting sins are, lay them aside every time. Don't indulge. Cut them off cast them aside you can decide to do something about it and that decision starts now you can actually lay it aside lay it aside and keep jesus in sight you can do that jesus is goals for us jesus is our goal he is the motivation. He is the example. He is the standard. He is the source of victory. He is everything in this process. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your love for him at, at, at the central focal point. Rather than your hatred for sin. Rather than the struggle you are facing. Keep your eyes on him. Because he is the goal. We want to be like him. We want to look like him in conduct. And as well as we, we look like him already positionally. Praise the name of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, my friends, lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. It's time to run. It's time to actually make progress. Enough of the hypocrisy. Enough of the of, of the pretense where in public everyone sees, yeah, this guy is growing. Ah, this girl, she's growing. Uh-uh. But you know deep down you're struggling a lot. You know deep down you're not making progress. This is the time. I'm not trying to guilt trip you in any way. I'm just telling you this is it. You need to be more intentional if that's the case you need to be more intentional about laying aside these weights because you can you can but remember just like the soldier just like the racer it takes focus determination discipline sacrifice and a certain striving to be victorious in all life's battles and in all life's races 
I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.